Hey, welcome to You Had Me at Black. I'm Martina Abrahams Olunga. It feels so good to be back behind the microphone and sharing stories with you all. And I am so excited to introduce you to Natal. It's a podcast docuseries about having a baby while black. You know, black maternal and perinatal health is something that is very important to me personally and the entire You Had Me at Black team. So we produced Natal in partnership with The Woodshaw and with support from the USC Annenberg Center for Health Journalism and the Economic Hardship Reporting Project. You can subscribe to Natal today, wherever you get your podcast, to hear new episodes every other Wednesday. And don't worry, we'll play them all right back here on You Had Me at Black. Without further ado, here is Natal. Hey, Natal fam. Before we get into our latest episode, we've got some really exciting news to share with you. On August 15th, 2020, we're hosting the Natal Summit. Sponsored by Black Mamas Matter Alliance, the summit will consist of a series of honest and lively conversations about the future of care for Black birthing parents. That's right. We're bringing together the whole community for this. Parents, family members, birth workers, medical providers, advocates, and even our production team. So come join us at the Natal Summit. To learn more about our inspiring speakers, programming for the day, and to register, visit natalstories.com. We look forward to seeing you on August 15th. Now back to the show. You're listening to Natal. You're listening to Natal. You are listening to Natal. You're listening to Natal, a podcast about having a baby. Having a baby. Having a baby while Black. I'm Martina Abraham Zalunga. Welcome back to Natal. I have to be honest with you. Before we started the show, I rarely thought about giving birth. My indifference turned to fear and anger when I started to understand more about the American medical system and when I became aware of the Black birthing crisis specifically. Like most people, I assumed if and when my time came to have a baby, I'd go to the hospital. I began to fear for mine and my future children's safety and grew angry at the idea that I'd have to settle for care that's less than I desire or deserve. I started to question whether I wanted to have children at all. The beautiful thing about my journey with Natal is that I learned about an entire community that centers Black birthing parents and their babies. I'm now more familiar with the network of midwives, doulas, providers, and healers who affirm the dignity and beauty in Black birthing and intimately value Black life. Due to the history of anti-Blackness in the obstetrics and gynecology field, much of their work happens outside of hospitals. I'd seen photos and videos of women, all white, giving birth in pools and at home. I assumed it was all hippy-dippy white people shit. Turns out, I was very wrong. In this episode, we leave the hospital and step into the world of home births. We also dive into the work of doulas, like Charlie Monlouis Anderley, the owner of Brooklyn-based practice Nourishing Seeds Doula. To begin to understand the role doulas play in pregnancy and childbirth, let's start first with the story of Alexis Hill. So I'm Alexis. I am a Memphis, Tennessee native, um, where my fiance and I live currently. Right now, I'm training to become a home birth worker, and I'm proud to say that I'm Chloe's mom. And this is my natal story. So finding out that I was pregnant was extremely interesting. It's so weird because 
I keep a period app on my phone and I'm looking at it like, okay, it says I'm two days late. This is not normal. Like my period comes all the time. And the night before I noticed the, um, the second day late, I was drinking, I was having fun doing my own thing. And then I woke up and I'm just like, okay, two days is enough. Let me just take a test and see what it says. So I went to Dollar Tree and I bought the Dollar Tree test. I did the test that you put the little drops in and you wait for the lines to change and stuff like that. So I dropped the little urine in there and then I got one line. I was like, okay, I'm not pregnant. At this point, I'm convinced that there's no baby in there. I'm good. And the one line was just my verification that I'm not pregnant. So I took two of those. Once I got the one line, I was good. The instructions clearly say that you have to wait, I think, about three minutes. Once I saw that line, I was like, "Okay, throw it away. So two more days came and I'm like, "Okay." I'm telling my fiance, well, my boyfriend at the time, I'm like, "Okay, four days is enough. I'm usually on my period by now. Something is not right. Well, I couldn't say that this was like something in my body changing or anything of that nature because I knew what took place prior to me missing my period. But I also knew that I took a plan B and I was secure. This was everything that was in my mind. So on the fourth day, I called him. I was just like, it's not here. And he's like, you can come to my job, stop and get a pregnancy test and you can come here to take it. I'm like, "Okay, cool. I'll come there to do this. So I went into the restroom, I peed on the stick and my body like it almost shut down. Like I started shaking. I was like, oh, my God, it says positive. At this point, I'm scared. I'm crying. And he was like, you know, go ahead and take the second one and see what it says. I took the second test and it said the same thing. So once I realized that it really did say positive, I'm just like, what are we going to do? He was like, what do you mean we're going to do? you know, we're going to have a baby. Like, it's okay. Give me a hug. He gave me a hug and that was that. In 2016, Alexis was 23 and still figuring out what she wanted to do in life. She was young and just having fun with her friends and now fiance Cortez. Babies and parenthood weren't even a real thought. Even though she made up her mind, Alexis didn't feel ready to share the news with her family. Little did she know, they were already in on the secret. The funny thing about the story is that my sister knew that I was pregnant before I did. And I say that because she had went snooping in my garbage can. And those tests that I thought were negative were actually reading positive. But I didn't wait for them to finish processing. So I went back home to retrieve them out of the garbage can. And Lord behold, they were definitely positive tests. So that's four tests total that revealed that I was pregnant and I didn't even know. Um, I can remember just going out to eat with my mom, my sister, and my aunt. At this point, my sister had already told my aunt, and I'm just the one at the table that's like awkwardly trying to not eat food because I didn't want my mom to know that I was pregnant at that moment. Like, I wanted to give her time. Alexis needed time, too. She hadn't fully wrapped her mind around what it meant to be pregnant. She'd recently started working as a receptionist at Choices, a reproductive health services clinic. Choices provides everything from abortion to HIV testing services to midwifery care. Alexis had options. So yeah, I had the choice to, you know, continue on my pregnancy. Abortion is something that I do think that it is a choice. I'm pro-choice. So, you know, but I knew in my situation that it wasn't going to be something that I wanted to do. 
basically because my boyfriend and I at the time, um, we had been together for a while and I knew that he wanted a kid. I wasn't so sure about it, but I knew that speaking about abortion wasn't any, you know, wasn't a, a topic for us. Um, actually when I told him, he was just like, I'm with whatever you want. And I'm just like, we're keeping our baby. So although choices offer termination services, and that wasn't something that I decided to do, I was able to meet individuals that would soon provide me prenatal care. Eventually, Alexis told her mom. I can remember calling her to my job. I let her know what was going on. She was like, you know, it's going to be okay. You're, you know, mature. You're doing your thing. You know, I'll help you when you need to. And it's okay. You don't have to be afraid about being pregnant. With the news out and her mom's support, Alexis started to think about her prenatal care options. In the beginning, when I found that I was pregnant, I called my mom's OB from when I was pregnant and my other siblings, and I set up an appointment. I continued care until about my second trimester, and that's when I came across one of the midwives that had just came on to work for Choices. Alexis learned that midwives provide patient-centered care. Care that invites patients and their families to actively participate in consultations. It's an alternative to traditional doctor-dominated relationships, where the physician dictates what's best without much input from the patient. Midwives conduct prenatal visits, deliver babies, and support new parents in their early postpartum period. After a few visits with the midwives at Choices, Alexis could see how different the care she received was from her OBGYN. Her appointments were longer. She felt heard. They included Cortez. And she had a say in what she did and did not want. She decided to switch to midwifery care for the duration of her pregnancy and delivery. She also met Maya, one of Choice's doulas. Maya was warm and honest and completely won Alexis over. She decided to work with her as well. You may have heard of the term doula before, but what exactly is a doula? A doula is someone who provides support, and that could take many different forms. Some of the kinds of support that birth and perinatal doulas provide is education around different options, um, support in making informed decisions, physical support, emotional support, connection to resources, and generally connection to a wider birthing community as well. That's Charlie Monlouis Anderley. They're a queer and non-binary full-spectrum doula, a certified breast and chest feeding counselor, and postpartum chef in Brooklyn. They literally do it all. While there are many kinds of doulas who focus on specific parts of the perinatal journey, full-spectrum means they cover everything. Full-spectrum is a term that sort of expands on what our traditional understanding of birth work is. It's not just about the prenatal and postpartum and the labor and birth period, but also any possible outcome from a pregnancy that could happen, right? So that would include losses, that would include uh, miscarriage and stillbirth and abortion as well. Naming my own Uh, intention for my work as a full spectrum doula is just saying that like once I start working with you, no matter what your choices are, no matter what your outcome is, I have a commitment to seeing it through, you know, and understanding that no matter what comes of this, 
there's like a full spectrum of things that you could experience and also a full spectrum of who I could be working with, right? So like I don't only work with birthing women, but I also work with trans men and gender nonconforming folks. Depending on where you live and when you choose to start working with a doula, hiring one can run you anywhere from $800 to $3,500 or more. Some insurance plans cover doula care, but it's not guaranteed. Only three states cover doulas for parents on Medicaid, New York, Minnesota, and Oregon. On the flip side, full-spectrum dueling is meant to be accessible to any birthing parent who needs it. Many doulas offer a sliding scale or name your fee pricing. This is some radical work. After making the decision to work with the doula, Alexis's care team was finally complete. They met to discuss her birth plan. Alexis hadn't thought much about giving birth outside of the hospital, but one of her sessions with her doula, Maya, inspired her to. One of the options on there was like home birth, um, water birth, and I think hospital, and I chose home birth. And this is because I remember just, you know, being on Facebook, social media, and I would always see like Caucasian women in these home birth pictures and videos. And I was just like, you know, this thing looks cool. I really want to try this. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't do my research. It was just something that I just wanted to give a try. Basically, again, because I didn't see any women of color doing it and it looked really cool. According to the NIH, as of 2017, just 62,000 babies were born at home. That's less than 2%. And of that 2%, only a quarter of them were Black. In episode two, we talked about how the Western medical system in the early 20th century used smear campaigns to discredit midwifery and home births. Decades later, that legacy remains. Home births in the U.S. are hella controversial. They're widely seen as primitive, unclean, and unsafe. And parents who choose to have them are seen as irresponsible. Several large medical associations, like the College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, have concluded that in the U.S., home births double childbirth mortality and complication rates. But what should we expect from a system that intentionally underinvests in the home birth system? In 2014, however, the Journal of Midwifery and Women's Health confirmed that mothers with low-risk pregnancies who give birth at home with a certified midwife we're not any more vulnerable to negative outcomes than those who birthed in hospitals. In fact, home births overwhelmingly have positive benefits for low-risk mothers and babies. They enjoy much lower rates of C-section deliveries and higher rates of breastfeeding, for example. Today, advocates of home birth are fighting for birthing at home to be legally accessible to all birthing parents and widely integrated into hospital systems. Parents looking to birth at home with the midwife have to consider their state's laws before they can do so. Seven states outlaw midwives from attending home births altogether. Other states make doing so difficult, like Arizona, for example, which requires midwives to perform painful vaginal exams throughout the parent's labor. With all the fuss and red tape around them, you can see why parents who choose to birth at home tend to find themselves defending their decision to family and friends. Alexis had the same issue. So when it came to me um, deciding that I was going to move through with having a home birth, questions were raised. Um, even from my mom, she was like, what are you doing? 
are you sure about this? To the point where she just needed to get some reassurance from the midwife. I kind of held off on telling my peers and like social media that I was going to do a home birth because not everyone understood. To be honest, I think I didn't share that I had a home birth until like a few weeks after I had my daughter. And of course, they came with me explaining how it happened, explaining, you know, how I found them, explaining what my doula did. Even now, being in the birth world, I still find myself explaining to people, you know, what midwifery cares about and what having a doula is about. Like we mentioned in episode six, giving birth in a hospital can cost anywhere from $4,500 with insurance to $30,000 without it. Birthing with the midwife at home costs closer to the 4,500 number. But instead of a single bill after the fact, parents can pay out of pocket, oftentimes in installments throughout their pregnancy. Because she worked at Choices, Alexis's prenatal care and delivery were free 99. We moved forward throughout my pregnancy. Everything was intimate, personal. My appointments were long. We didn't have anything rushed. Everything was accessible because I worked for Choices. So leaving my appointments was super easy for me. Um, At times I can remember them, including my now fiance in every appointment. They made sure that he was aware of what was going on. They ensured that he was well aware of my safety and his safety as well during my labor and after labor. That intimacy and strong personal connection is what Black birthing parents should expect when working with a doula. Beyond the connection, the relationship can take many forms, from educator to coach or even therapist. Well, first, when people reach out to me, which could happen at any point in pregnancy, and even before, you know, I have people reaching out to me for um, fertility support, um, people who are trying to conceive, Um, When people reach out to me during pregnancy, our first conversation, it's really important to me to feel like we have just like a human connection, you know, like this is um, a really intimate part of their lives that they are welcoming me into. And so I want to make sure that we have um, a bond between ourselves as well that we will work on, but that, you know, from the moment that we meet, there's some kind of click that happens. And so that first conversation might be um, an hour or so long, um, but just to really feel out like what are their preferences around their birth and um, what previous experiences have they had that's informing the way that they're approaching their pregnancy and birth and the kind of choices that they're making. And so that might look like just scheduling like several appointments where we're meeting regularly and preparing for their birth, um, doing like emotional preparing, but also unpacking like whatever fears and anxieties they might have or discussing potential hypothetical situations that like they have time now ahead of time to think through how they would react in certain situations. Sometimes that's what people need to feel prepared and to feel like um, not having like the pressure of like the unexpected happening and not knowing how to respond to it. There's some clients that essentially say like we're going to meet, maybe have like three or four prenatals, um, be on call for the duration of those last few weeks of the pregnancy um, and then um, show up during the labor and be there for continuous support through the labor and birth um, and immediate postpartum. 
Alexis's pregnancy was going really well. With her dream team of midwives and doulas, she felt confident about what lay ahead. When she started to go into labor, she didn't have to rush to the hospital. Her care team came to her. I can remember just being at home, we were chilling, and I felt something weird, like wet in my vaginal area, and I'm just looking confused, like, what, what is this stuff? So I called Maya, um, my doula, and she came over to figure out, you know, what was going on. My labor, it took about three days, but the midwives came in to check on me the first day, and then they let me labor with Maya the second day. I can just remember the room being filled with so much energy. Nothing was negative. Everyone was supportive. Doulas play a big role during labor. They're laser focused on the birthing parent, making sure they have what they need to get through each contraction. Essentially, like I'm observing any need that the birthing person might have, right? So I'm observing them um, entering like what is their own kind of rhythm and getting into their routine for how they're adapting to the changes in labor and um, adapting to the different sensations in their body. I'm helping to ground them and provide a sort of stable, grounded source of energy that they can anchor themselves to. It can be very easy to get lost in the, the present moment and just feeling the intensity of every contraction. And so a lot of the time I'm presenting them sort of like a thread through their labor that they can tie themselves to and feel connected to the progression, like understanding um, outside of just the numbers of like, you know, the, the clinical providers might be telling them, like checking their dilation and letting them know like how far along they are in numbers. But I'm there to remind them that it's nonlinear, you know, and that whatever rate they're progressing at is the rate that's right for their body. I'm asking them questions around what they're experiencing to kind of like pay attention to the details that matter. Um, reminding them to rest, um, to feed themselves, to stay calm, or maybe to be more active if they're trying to sort of like encourage things to pick up and get going. Feeding them, um, (laughs) you know, providing different kinds of um, physical support. So having fluids with electrolytes nearby, making sure that they're staying hydrated, encouraging them to pee every hour or so um, to empty their bladder, you know, playing music or taking away distractions if it seems like they're overstimulated. You know how we say it takes a village to raise a child? Well, it takes a village to birth one too. Who's in the room is just as important. It's such a relief when there's other people in the room who are there as support. You know, even as the doula, I could never claim to say that, like, I could be the sole support for this person. Like, I really enjoy working with people who bring their whole family because then there is someone to be doing everything. And the more hands on deck, it's like the more support there is for me as well. It's a really, like, physically intensive experience to be giving hip squeezes and bending up and down and picking up stuff for them and grabbing water and, you know, like following them around (laughs) wherever they're going. And so we're all sweating. We're all like really involved in the process. And so I really see myself when I'm working with families, having 
real ass conversations about, um, you know, why is it that some people feel as if they don't have a place in the room or as if, you know, especially within like a, a medicalized setting, um, that they can often be sort of pushed to the side or treated as if they are not playing a major role in the experience. And so it's always about like centering a family and also centering this as like the moment that a partner gets to meet the baby for the first time. That's going to be really vital to like the the ongoing bond and relationship that they have with that child. And that could be said with like anyone who's the support person for the birthing person, you know, like that doesn't necessarily have to be a partner. I've done that with kids before, with like older siblings who are old enough to be an emotional support. On the day that I gave birth to Chloe, I had the entire family there. The midwives were there. My doula was there. The dog, my little brother, three generations, which included my grandmother, my mom and myself. I can just remember the room being filled with so much energy. Nothing was negative. Everyone was supportive. The midwives made sure my boyfriend was included in everything that I did, from the hip swings to getting me in and out of the pool, to just giving me the encouraging words that I needed to move forward with the laboring process. Laboring and delivering at home versus in the hospital is a different experience. For one, It means saying bye-bye to medicinal pain relievers like epidurals. Instead, birth workers often help parents using pain management techniques like massages, sitting in hot water, or meditation. You can also labor wherever feels most comfortable. Because at the end of the day, it's all about listening to your body. With her village queued up and ready, Alexis entered the final stretch of her labor. Labor for me was... um... It was different. A lot of people, when they see women doing a home birth, they automatically think the water, I'm going to birth in the pool, all of this great stuff. Laboring in the pool was not really a thing for me. It's something about your body that tells you what you don't like and what you do like. Sitting on my butt, trying to push in a pool was not, it was not a thing. Um, So I can remember just, you know, asking my midwives, could I just get out and labor a different way? Prior to me removing myself from the pool, you know, they tried different tactics to get Chloe to move down, but it wasn't working. And this is the part of labor that people, you know, really don't pay attention to. It looks good in the photos and, you know, in the videos, but in actuality, um, I had to face gravity. I wanted to push on all fours. The moment that I moved from the pool to my baby's nursery, I knew that this was it. The contraction started picking up. I I don't think I wanted to be touched and I wanted to be on all fours. Between each contraction, they would check me to see where my process was and and they allowed me to, you know, take breaks, get myself together and start again. The room was... It was really quiet. I can remember at some at a point it got quiet in there. Um, everyone was looking around. I got super hot. My mom, she was right there um, beside me holding my hand. I had two midwives next to me and one behind me preparing to catch the baby and my fiance, well, my boyfriend at the time next to her getting ready to catch Chloe as well. I think it took um, took about four pushes 
before she came out. But I want to tell you guys about the feeling of her coming down. It's like something that they call a ring of fire. You get this feeling of like a a burning sensation. Like, you know that this head is engaged and that your baby is about to come. And I always tell people like pushing her out at that last stage felt like a great poop. I know it's TMI, but I just have to tell you guys like that's exactly what I can tell you it felt like. And I can just remember my grandmother looking at me and just saying like, I'm so proud of you. Like she was so proud of me because after that ring of fire, I pushed Chloe out. Like I got her out of there. Nine whole pounds and there she was. And as I went back to watch the videos, I can see my midwife signaling um, her dad to come catch her. Once he caught her, they brought her to me and I leaned back into my midwife's arms and I sat there and I cried. The relationship with the midwives were super personal and just you know, knowing that I wasn't just another patient in labor made me feel so good. I left my laboring stages feeling like a queen. And I tell people this all the time because these midwives and my family and everyone around me helped me move through this process, you know, making sure that I knew that my body could do what it was doing. On July 27th, 2017, Alexis and Cortez welcomed baby Chloe. It was a blissful delivery but she was also overcome by another emotion. I was scared. I was afraid of being her mom. I was afraid of bringing her into this world. And I was afraid of how the world would treat her. Because right now we, we live in an era where things are not going so great. And I was extremely terrified of being her mom. But despite of all of that, you know, they secured my space. They secured my sanity and my peace. If you were to ask me anything negative about those moments, I wouldn't be able to tell you because they did their job in making sure that nothing went bad, nothing at all. Shortly after pushing Chloe out, the other birth workers that were at my birth, they went into my room and prepared my bed for me to go in to lie down. So while they were doing that, we did skin to skin, which was definitely important. And while she's laying on my chest, the midwives did delay cord clamping. They let it continue pulsing for about three minutes and then they cut the cord. So that was our moment to just bond. I remember them wrapping her in the towel and putting her on my chest so that she can, you know, smell my scent and get to know her mom. And from there, we did our first latch, um, which was something that was completely beautiful just to see her crawl to me and, you know, latch on to my breast. From there, I can remember them helping me up. It was a really long process because... The woman's body after giving birth is really, really fragile. I can remember being told to just hold my head up and don't look down because after pushing for so long, there's this feeling of you being so dizzy. And if you drop your head down, you could possibly like tip over and fall out. So we're walking really, really slow back into my room. They get me situated on the bed with Chloe and everyone's around. Um... I think at that point, I had finally snapped out of being scared and realized that, you know, she was my baby. She's there. She's here. And there's no turning back. Alexis pushed a whole baby out of her body. A new kid, a new body, a new lifestyle. There's just so much for new parents to adjust to. Doulas help ease the transition for the whole family. Again, like the rest of my work, the postpartum period is a time where we spend a lot of time reframing the kinds of 
things that people have learned around like what that period is, you know? So reframing expectations, understanding what's happening in the body and what kinds of healing needs to happen, but also acknowledging and holding space for that this is an emotionally intense experience regardless of like whether it's positive or whether it can be traumatic but holding space for that this was a huge transition that the birthing person went through and that they need to be seen that they need to tell the story again and again so that they can process it and remember it the way that we deal with pregnancy and new parenthood culturally, socially is somewhat disabling, you know, like we don't have systems in place that support newborn parents in that transition to, um, to being a family and, and raising a child. And so it can be so isolating, especially if one doesn't have friends who've already been through that experience and who can show up for them and, Um, provide the kinds of support that they need. It's like you might not know what someone needs unless you've experienced it yourself, but um, things like showing up and offering help without being asked for it, like, hey, we we were cooking some food and we're going to bring it by later, or hey, we're going to come by later and take out the trash and do some dishes, you know? Those are the kinds of things that we have to, like, re-educate ourselves around how to show up for people because it's just not, like, intuitive. For Alexis... Having Chloe was so much bigger than her. It became another reminder that a new reality is possible for Black birthing parents. One where they are supported and empowered. One that is wholly positive, joyous, and beautiful. And one that includes their partners, too. The thing I love most about bringing Chloe into this world was having her dad there every step of the way. In my generation, in my society, in my culture... It is often seen that African-American families don't don't make it like single moms. Dads are absent. One parent households. So I'm really um, I'm thankful that he stuck with me till this day after the birth of our daughter. And I will be able to tell the story to her about him being a present father when she grows older. I thought that it was important for me to share my story with the world because I felt that my birth story was important. You know, with me being a young African-American woman, it would be great for other women like myself to see that we have options out here, that there are choices and that we can labor however we want. African-American midwives are available. Doulas are available. Healthy labors are available. Black midwives and doulas are available. I'm telling y'all, they're part of a lineage of Black healers whose work and traditions go back centuries. Credit for their contributions is long overdue. As we look to the future of Black perinatal care, their work leads the way. My vision for Black birthing people is to feel safe, is to feel empowered, is to feel seen, to feel respected, to feel as if the sacredness of their experience is recognized and held, to feel all of the resources that they might need at their fingertips, to feel that their birthing experience is healing wounds that sometimes go generation after generation after generation deep, to know that their choices are valid and that 
all of their emotional experience is also valid, that these systems that we're navigating will absolutely have you out here feeling crazy and that those things are also not our fault. To recognize that we are not dependent entirely on the systems that seek to exploit us. You know, that to expand on what our imagination will even perceive as possible and to reimagine those kind of breathing space for us and to have that continue on into the rest of our lives, right? Because um, the way that we birth is also going to be the way that we parent and the way that we live and to know that like reproductive justice is not just being able to birth in the ways that we choose when and how and with whom, but also to raise our children safely and to feel like that work, that foundation that we lay in the moment of them coming Earthside is going to carry on in the way that we can parent them to provide them a safer world to live in. Subscribe, rate, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Visit natalstories.com for exclusive content, like our community blog and resource hub, and donate to our production fund while you're there. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at natalstories, and join the natal group on Facebook to keep the conversation going. You can find the links to everything in the show notes. Natal is a collab between You Had Me at Black and The Woodshaw. Special thanks to Black Mamas Matter Alliance, the University of Southern California Annenberg Center for Health Journalism, and our reporting mentor, Katherine Stifter, the Economic Hardship Reporting Project, our sponsor, Coddle, and Natal advisor, Adiza Egan. Natal is executive produced by us, Martina Abraham-Zalunga and Gabrielle Horton. Tierra Darnell is the editor who puts it all together. Jody Williams and Taylor Hosking, our producers, get the stories. And our sound designer and engineer, Jess Jupiter, hooks it all the way up. 